Hello and welcome to the Biz Coach Show, hosted by my biz coaches and presented by the TLG Group. On our show, we provide entrepreneurs with the edge they need to succeed. Your hosts this week, as always, are myself, David Macon, and Eric Whitmoyer. Eric, you want to say hi? Good afternoon, everyone. <laughs> awesome. Hey, today we are talking about something that has been all over the headlines, all over social media, and uh, unless you're living under a rock, you've probably heard about all of the massive tech layoffs that are happening in Q4 of 2022 when we're recording today's show. And just to kind of run through a couple of stats to kind of uh, tee up uh, some of the things we're going to be discussing today, between May and November of 2022, uh, Meta, which of course owns Facebook and a lot of other companies, uh, laid off 11,000 people. Twitter, 3,700. Lyft, 700. Stripe, 1,100. Coinbase, another 1,100. Shopify, 1,000. Netflix, 450. Microsoft, just under 1,000. Snap, over 1,000 people. And Robinhood laid off 31% of their staff. And so when you look at all of these companies and all of these layoffs uh, begs the question, how did we get here? And so Eric, I'd be curious your take as we look at all these tech companies, all these massive layoffs that are happening in so many companies that were really kind of household names. Um, how do these companies get in this position, Eric? Yeah, it's a, uh, interesting question. We'll start with that. Um, <laughs> uh, one thing I was going to note, the uh, 3,700 from Twitter, I believe that was a 50% layoff, if I remember correctly. Massive. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty significant when you look at you know the overall. Um, there obviously there's a li little bit more, and I know we're going to go into that a little bit more with Twitter specifically, and uh, obviously the change in leadership there. But um, generally speaking, I, I think there's a, a number of in any scenario like this, it's never one catalyst; it's a series of catalysts. Uh, the question is: is did we not see it coming, and we waited to? till a certain point to make those changes. What's ironic is that you'll notice all of these happen in the fourth quarter, right? right. I mean, it, it, there may have been some rumblings leading into the fourth quarter, but all of this happened in the fourth quarter, which means, and, and you're talking, I think there's like 10 different companies on that list, right? How did they all just conveniently all need to lay somebody off at the same time, right? Uh, right. And so the reality is, is that these uh, likely there was, um, some leading indicators uh, that were, uh, if they were being paid attention to, then there was probably some kind of strategic, strategic logic behind waiting till the fourth quarter. Um, what I would suggest is, and I, I don't want to get into a whole conspiracy theory, but um, there's a number of different things. One of the things I'll say is in a lot of these cases, many of these tech companies have been allowing, uh, since the COVID scenario, have been allowing people to work from home. And that has become a bit of a rub. So despite, um, despite how many people kind of adapted to that and they're like, oh, this is awesome. I love working from home. And uh, many of those same uh, employers are now recognizing that productivity is down 20, 30, 40%. So the point being is that um, now that the economy has almost officially been decided as a recession and we're or at least moving into a recession, now it's, it's politically convenient to lay off a whole bunch of people. It sure. wasn't when it was a remnant of COVID. So right. um, I'm not, uh, again, I'm not trying to play conspiracy theorist here, but I do think there was some politicking being done when these, uh, I mean, sure. otherwise, well, I mean, all 10 of these companies all lay off all these massive numbers of people at the same time. <clears throat> Excuse me. That said, um, you know, the, these companies are really, um, I mean, they're, they're, they're technology companies. So they have access to the data. They knew and they saw the trends. So why they waited, that's, that's a tough one to swallow. Um, and it's never, if you're the person that got laid off, I feel for you. Um, you know, the, the reality is, is I've been on the, on, the, on the ugly side of that scenario a couple times throughout my career, and it never comes at a good time. I mean, you know, it's three weeks before, four weeks before Thanksgiving. You know, it's not a great time to get a layoff. No, this it's, a, it's a really bad time. In yeah, my yeah, exactly. Um, but uh, yeah, so I, I, you know, it's kind of frustrating because I, I look at the data, I, I look at those numbers, I look at those particular companies, and I'm like, there's no way that they didn't know. They were, they were, yeah. they were strategically waiting for, and it's almost like they all did it at the same time. So that it was like instead of one person getting blasphemed, they all did at the same time, and then it's like you get off in the shuffle. Yeah. yeah. So, well, go ahead. No, no, sorry, no, 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 no. Yeah. no. 
Yeah, and, and you bring up a good point too, right? Because of all of the layoffs that are happening, where's everybody focusing is, is really on Twitter, uh, mostly because of the you know grandiose personality of Elon and some of the way that went down. And um, you know, even before the acquisition was complete, you know, he was talking about laying people off. And so I think that, uh, to your point, is distracted from a lot of these other companies. And uh, definitely the timing is is interesting. So whether it's politics, optics, whatever it might be, uh, definitely uh, something was going on there and, and uh, thinking strategically about how it would be seen and maybe not thinking strategically enough in the business leading up to it. So totally yeah. agree. And I, like yeah. I said, I, I think a lot of it really kind of carries over from the COVID uh, phenomenon in the sense that the that it, we knew the productivity has been down. I mean, the companies I consult with, uh, they have they have employees, they, they've had to get all their employees back in the offices. The, most of my companies are small companies, um, you know, 20, 30, 50 employees. So it, you, you there, there are some jobs that can work from home, right? There, there are certainly some tech jobs that can be done from home. However, when this happened, most people were not trained on how to work from home effectively. Um, you right. know, I, I consult a client today and I play an active role within the organization. And one of my biggest frustrations is every time we have a, a conference call together, a video conference call together, um, at least three or four people on the call are, um, are working from home, obviously. Um, and, yeah. I, and, and I work from home all the time, but I have a designated office, right? I have sound yeah. buffering material and I, you know, I have a door and I have, you know, I lock it from the outside. It's like, I do everything I can to ensure that I have a good work environment. I, I've got, you know, dogs barking in the background. I get kids screaming. I got people having conversations that everything can hear. And I'm like, yeah. there is no way that you're being productive day in and day out working from home. If that's the environment you live in or work. Yeah. Um, and no, you're go ahead. Yeah, you're totally right. I know similarly, right? I've generally worked remote or, or from home over the you know better part of a decade, and that that work style uh, definitely was was different than how people work from home during COVID. And, and I think that it's a really big difference in how work was approached. And, and I, I I stick to at least for me, and I know it's not for everybody. You know, working from home, I'm, I'm probably thirty percent more productive because I don't have all the office distractions. But for a lot of people, they're at least thirty percent less productive because there's more distractions, or they don't have the right setup, and they're you know not great at managing their time. And so, I, I do think that for a lot of these companies, you can't make these overarching policies where you know everybody works from home or nobody works from home and and there's certainly roles and people that excel in both areas and i think it's important to to look at that and and certainly i do think it's a factor in these layoffs like yeah, you said yeah and i i think that you if you look at the and you know, a lot of the reports where the productivity was down you know if you, you can't the problem is if you look at the big companies and you look at the earnings per share and what the quarterly returns were and all that kind of stuff that all gets masked but if you look at individual yeah. productivity by person and you talk to anybody who's in mental management today, over the last three years, productivity is down dramatically. And it's because people yeah. are allowed to work from home and they're not educated or trained on how to effectively do that. And so, you, yeah. know, um, you know, one of the first things that I coach my clients on, I'm like, if there's not a good reason for the client to work from home, for, for an employee to work from home, I encourage them not to do that because I don't, I don't yeah. see how it's effective. Um, it takes from um, culture. It, well, let me rephrase that. If the organization was built that way and really sustained and reinforced the concept of their culture and what their culture was going to be and how it was going to be. And, and they educated and trained people on how to sustain and maintain throughout leadership, how to maintain, sustain and maintain culture and, and work expectations and things like that, then that would be different. But we had to make a new jerk reaction because of the circumstances and it, nobody was prepared for that. And, and consequently, yeah. in, in, in the retrospect, we've got these huge productive productivity these numbers down and then you've got the economy kind of bailing out and, and so you got everything kind of coming together all at once and so this confluence has really forced everybody to make these massive layoff decisions yeah no and, and it's a good point too because most managers um, and, unless they've been specifically trained on how to manage remote workers it's a different skill set and if they're not equipped for it you know, like I said, productivity is going to drop and a number of other issues. So I, I totally agree. And, and I think that one of the issues is, um, you know, a lot of companies were 
really slow to bring people back into the office because they were worried they were going to lose people. And now look at where those companies are. We were afraid to lose people, so we didn't make the tough decision. And now we had to lay off, you know, a thousand people because the, the business is hurting. And so it, it's one of those things that, man, if we had acted earlier and maybe we only would have lost, you know, 400 people and the rest would have got a lot more productive. So it's one of those tough decisions that you have to look at. Agreed. Agreed. And you look at Meta, theirs is a little bit different because they're, their productivity is down for a number of different reasons, not just productivity uh, uh, like by employee, but also uh, there's some tr strategic moves that they made that have not been paying off. Um, anticipated. Yeah. But there's, sure. there's more to that, that big number. But um, uh, the other thing I was going to mention as you're talking about uh, managers being trained to manage somebody remotely, right? That's a whole other skill set. Matter of fact, yeah. I, I, if I would venture to say I've probably seen uh, a dozen books and audiobooks and stuff like that that have been done in the last two years on how to manage a team remotely because it's become so right. much of a focus, right? Uh, yeah. And, and at the end of the day, it doesn't really change dramatically what how you manage your people, but it does change the way that you know what what kind of metrics your expect your expectations are set on. Um, you know, do you have the resources to manage those? I mean, that's a whole other thing. I I saw a lot of people make a lot of investment in not just Zoom but software programs that would actually manage your time online. Yeah. Making sure that you're logged in when you're supposed to be and doing what you need to be doing and everything. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and it, it's interesting, kind of going back to the, the Twitter point that we were talking about, it, it's been unique in that uh, Elon purchasing Twitter has, has been airing a lot of dirty laundry that a lot of times we wouldn't get the insight into. And, exactly. you know, you see all of these you know, kind of bloat, I'll say, within Twitter that existed from, you know, catered lunches where nobody showed up and all sorts of other craziness that that's all over the, the you know, social media sites and news. But I think it, it's also important, and I think for people listening to this, to think about, you know, even in the best run business, it can always be leaner, right? Yes. And, and, you know, it's a couple of years back, there's this, you know, Kaizen movement and, you know, uh, Six Sigma has been around forever, but there's always an opportunity to improve efficiency, to do things, you know, faster, better, less expensively. And I think that for a lot of people, you know, they, they get comfortable with, hey, things seem to be going pretty good, we're profitable, but I think it's always important to keep that kind of scrappy mentality um, and especially if your business is small, you have to do that to survive. But I think you have to keep that mentality of, you know, where can we make things leaner without, you know, diminishing our employee experience or the customer experience. And I think we always have to have that mindset. I think that's important. Yeah. And I, I would go so far as to say, and, and you're, you're a little more sensitive to this than I am, but the whole Gen X, Gen Z, you know, the, the millennial generation, um, there's a lot of a lot of discussion about what they want in a work environment. Like I, I know we... Um, uh, a couple of years, quite a few years ago now, we were in uh, Boise when uh, we took over a market in Boise and they took us into their call center. Yes. And we walked in and it was like a, it was like a, a, a day, not a daycare. That's a bad example. Sorry. Uh, like an amusement park. Yeah. yeah. It's like a Dave and Buster's. Yeah. Yeah. With, Dave with Buster's, exactly. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> I don't think they had a bowling alley, but I know they had like pool tables and air yeah. hockey and I mean, all kinds of stuff. And I totally get it, right? You're, you're within the environment. They only get a 30 minute break. You know, they don't really get a chance to get out. Um, but, you know, there's a lot to be said about what people are looking for from a work environment and, and, and from a feeling comfortable. And so, uh, but at the same time, right, it, it, a, a, you have to realize what return are you actually getting for that investment? And yeah. um, there's a, I think that here's the thing. There's a lot of companies that get a lot of really great pub for running a phenomenal organization, good leadership, great culture, and they get people and they get buy-in and they get people to do what they need to do and work above and beyond and do all those things. And they have those types of environments. And then what happens is somebody else who's a little less developed, a little less um, competent in the ways to manage their people, they're, they're, they're still developing and learning, but they see this other company being chronicled and put up on a pedestal about how great they are and they got this great culture and everybody loves working there. So they think, oh, that's what we need to do. And they go and spend all this money on that, but then it's executed poorly, right? Yeah. And, and then consequently, like you were referencing at Twitter, you know, you get a, a, you get a, a catered lunch and nobody shows up for it and you waste 10, 20, $30,000 or whatever it is. Uh, you know, yeah. it's, it's pretty ridiculous when you think about it. Um, you know, and it, and you take your average small business and you're like, uh, I'm forking over, you know, I don't know, 150 bucks for pizza and wings and, and some soda and, you know, to come into pay for my, my, my team to have lunch or something like that. Um, 
I think there's also the, as I mentioned, the the millennial and Gen Z. It's the it's the idea of we don't want to do it the way our parents used to do it. Yeah. So there's this we got to do it different, and I think in every 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 generation goes through that. Like we get, we have to do it different than our. I know I did that. When I looked at the way my dad ran his business and what he did, and I'm like, I'm going to do it different than that. You know, yeah. and then these, this younger generation, they're coming into their own and they're like, I'm in a leadership role now. I'm going to do I'm going to do it different than the way my parents did it or, or whomever that they you know, measure yeah. against. And I think that that plays into it, too, because what happens is we don't necessarily always know. Uh, we don't always take enough time to understand exactly what it is that's getting the results, that's that's, that's getting the, you know, the buy in and, and, and creating that culture, organiza- the organizational culture. Um, and, and that's a piece that we don't do enough of asking the right questions to understand. Sometimes we just go off, but yeah. somebody, you know, it was, a, it was a great thing on TV. I, I saw this on social media or something like that. And that's awesome. That's how we have to do it. And I'm like, ah, that's not how it works. No. Well, and to your point, sometimes those practices are effective because it works within that company's culture. When you take it outside and put in another company's culture, it, it doesn't work. And, and so, that's a factor. I think a lot of times we do things that are trendy, like you're saying, um, instead of doing what's backed by science, what's backed by data. And, and, and that's when we're providing, you know, recommendations for our clients, their data back solutions, there's science, there's, you know, neuroscience behind how people learn, right? There's, there's things that we know work and we have the data to support it. Everything else kind of is a fad. And, and a funny example of that, that I saw recently was, you know, for better part of a decade, this you know, move to open offices. That's the modern workplace. Right. It's the greatest thing ever. You look at all the data coming out of it saying, it was actually the worst thing we've ever done yeah. <laughs> because it dropped productivity. People hated it. There was no private, like so many issues with it. And, and it's one of those things that, you know, a couple of big Fortune 500 companies did it and they thought it was revolutionary and oh, it's so modern and so cool. And then you find out it's actually not effective at all and is actually less productive than a traditional work environment. So it's just, kind of under underscores the point of um, these big companies doing things that are trendy, not doing things that increase productivity right. in the bottom line. Yeah, exactly. And then that's where I think that, that, and then that's honestly, I hate to be harsh, but it's, it's poor leadership. You yeah. know, somebody gets an idea and they run with it, but nobody takes the time to quantify it. And by not quantifying it, you're actually, you know, just making a guess. And, and when you do that, then, you know, at least if you're going to try something different, try something different. But take the time to quantify it and find out if there's yeah. value in it. The problem is once somebody makes the recommendation, now they're attached to it emotionally and they, they can't afford, they don't want to be wrong, right? Yeah. And so they're like, I can't afford to be wrong, so it's got to work, right? And then that, that's not yeah. productive either. That's counterproductive. Especially when you're the bleeding edge tech company that, you know, is making headlines every day. You can't suddenly, you know, reverse course and be like, oh, I was stupid. Yeah, yeah it was a really bad idea. Exactly. Yeah. Don't do that, guys. That you, you loses all of your credibility, Absolutely. right? So totally. Uh, yeah. yeah. To take it one step further on the Twitter thing, and I think that that's, um, as we're talking about leadership, I think it's another interesting concept. Um, obviously, Elon, Elon is unique. Um, yes. You know, I, I've yep. um, I've got people that I look up to. Elon is actually one of them. Uh, uh, maybe not necessarily for his leadership, uh, but yeah. certainly for his knowledge, understanding, uh, his ability to grasp technology and uh, different concepts, uh, and, and, and just very impressive. But uh, you know, his um, his style isn't substantially different than Steve Jobs when Steve mm-hmm. Jobs was in his twenties when he first started Apple. Yeah. Right. When he and Wozniak started Apple back in the 70s, Steve Jobs was in his 20s and he was a raging lunatic as a leader. Uh, made poor decisions, um, half rear-ended, they were off the cuff, um, mostly emotional. Uh, and and in, the, in the grand scheme of things, he was just trying to get people to do the most that they could do, right? Trying to yeah. get the most out of them. That was his big thing that he always... Um, uh, uh, really kind of hung his hat on, which was, you know, I, I get the most out of people. And he did, but he also burned a lot of people in the process. Yeah. Right. And, 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 um, and my point is, is Elon's done a lot of that, did a lot of that at Tesla and ran off a lot of high engineer, high ranking engineers at the company. Uh, I think they went through three CFOs at one point over a four year span of time or something. Um, and a lot of that comes from the the uh the people element of the business you know elon's super super intelligent is not always very relatable i I see him in a lot of podcasts i've seen him with joe rogan and um he's he's well spoken he he knows he's and he's relevant 
It's not like he's so far removed. It's just, I think sometimes he thinks in a way that other people can't grasp. And so he loses them and gets impatient. And then, you know, that's where the, the um, development and leadership, you know, and I'm not saying that he needs the, well, yeah, he probably does. But um, what, I, what I am saying is, I guess how this relates to a small business owner, surround yourself with people who can help buffer those relationships, right? Because yeah. that's the big opportunity is if you realize that you, you've got a good plan, you've got a good model, uh, put in the right leadership to manage the pieces that you're not good at. As a matter of fact, um, years ago, I, I, I took my leadership group through Strengths Finders, Strengths based Leadership. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And it was all about leveraging and first of all, understanding what your strengths were, what your weaknesses were, and then allowing you, when you build out your team, to find people that fill in your weaknesses. Right. So that their strengths are your weaknesses and vice versa, because then that helps you have a more well-rounded team. I think that, you know, in my opinion, my humble opinion, uh, Elon would benefit from that. And I don't think that he hasn't done that. But I think that every time you see him go in and make drastic changes like he did at Twitter, um, he's just trying to break the culture. I mean, I've, I've had to do that before. You go into a company and you're trying to do a massive turnaround. Uh, you got to jolt them. And it, definitely what he did was a jolt for sure. Uh, and some of the comments he's made are been jolts from what their previous culture was. But you have to do that. And I know a lot of people, you get a lot of, graph, a, uh, a lot of uh, backlash about that. But um, there's some sense of that that obviously makes sense. And he's got he's to kind of get people to recognize, hey, we're going to need to make some major changes or this company's yeah. not going to last. So yeah. yeah, and I think that's it's a great perspective to have um, kind, of, kind of two parts. So the first thing that resonated with what you just said was when, when you have that change in leadership, that new leader, there's an expectation they're going to make some tough decisions, right? And oftentimes there's decisions previous leadership should have made and maybe, you know, they were afraid or, you know, just not how they did business. And so I think that's important for entrepreneurs, you know, maybe you're buying an existing business or, you know, you see an opportunity to acquire a competitor, you're going to have to go in there and, and you may have to be the bad guy and make some tough decisions, but that's the right decision to make. And we can't be afraid to do that. So I think for entrepreneurs listening, that's a, a really uh, important thing, you know, maybe don't broadcast it on Twitter and maybe do a little more privately, right, <laughs> maybe right, a little exactly. more sensitively in, in some aspects, you know, but, uh, but, it's, but at the end of the day, right, the decisions that needed to be made for the good of the business. So I think that's a good point. I think the other thing too, is I, I see a lot of times, um, you know, like, like stories of, you know, how billionaires, you know, their daily routine, right? So it's, you know, structure your day like Elon, structure your day like Buffett, right? What, what you know, whoever you look up to, that, that's not really, I don't think, good advice, right? And I think for a business owner to look and, and think, well, I'm going to lead my business the way that Elon does. I think that's the wrong advice. I think doing something like StrengthsFinder, like, like you talked about, I think it's much more effective for leaders to better understand themselves, to understand their team, their business, than it is to try to emulate somebody that you see, you know, on your social media feed every single day. And so I would say, you know, it's important to look at what's happening in these other businesses and think about why did it happen? Why are these decisions being made? Why, why did these layoffs occur? And, and to learn from that, but not to go to such an extreme to say, okay, I need to handle similar issues in my business the way this, you know, famous leader did. I think that's the wrong approach. I think you have to individualize it and you have to make it unique to your business. Agreed, absolutely. And sometimes that comes with, um, you know, we've mentioned this before on this channel and we'll continue to, uh, small business owners are, are on that island, right? It's, it's the biggest challenge that you have as a small business owner. You don't have a board of directors to go to. You don't have a CFO, a COO, a, a CRO, whatever it is, as, a, as a, a close confidant that you can go to and say, hey, we need to do this with the organization. What do we need to do here? You know, you bring in your HR director and say, we need to improve culture, get more buy-in. You know, what, what are some of the recommendations you have? You don't have those resources as a small business owner. It's all you. So, yeah. and, it's, and it's super important to try and find those other perspectives. But like we were talking about, like you mentioned and I mentioned earlier, you also have to quantify those, you know, those, those thoughts. You know, and and uh, even try and vet out the unintended consequences. Because you roll something out that doesn't actually have the result that you were looking for, um, you know, it also it actually has a, a, a worse effect, right? And that's yeah. you have to kind of look ahead as much as you can to try and figure that out. That's where other points of view are really valuable. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, I totally agree. And 
I think whether it's, you know, as we've talked about today, whether it's getting better wise counsel to help you through it or uh, looking at the data, I, I think the main thing that, I, that I'm seeing with a lot of these businesses is uh, awareness and, and detachment. So maybe we talk just a minute about that is how do businesses kind of take a step back or business owners, entrepreneurs that are listening to this, how do you detach from your business and look at, you know, the data? How do you look at things objectively? Um, you know, one of the things that I talk about a lot is looking for ripples before waves. And I think oftentimes we wait until these big waves are crashing against us to, to make a course correction when we could have done it when we saw these smaller ripples. So I'd be curious your thoughts, Eric, on how can business owners really detach, get that needed clarity and perspective on their business and any advice that you have for somebody listening that's maybe trying to avoid one of these massive layoffs by making some course corrections today. Right, yeah. Um, yeah, get a coach. <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, I, I mean, I don't mean to be as, uh, that, uh, uh, yeah, it, it, it's, it's, you need another perspective and you need somebody who's unbiased. Like what I've recognized a lot of my, a lot of my clients that are smaller business owners, their, their, their biggest confidant or their, their most uh, reliable confidant is often their spouse. Yeah. And, and, and the spouse is either never was or hasn't been actively involved in the business since the early days when the startup, and now here it is 10, 12, 15, 20 years later, they're so far removed from the day to day, and, but that's who they're going to because that's who, you, that's who you share your frustrations with, right? You share it with your spouse. Um, maybe a parent or you know, a friend, depending on you know, where you're at. Uh, and, and are those people qualified to give you any advice? That's, that's the biggest um, piece that I see. Uh, I have, you know, a couple of clients that, that they're going through some unique circumstances and the, the uh, uh, economy is not helping. So it's helping. It's, it's kind of forcing some the hand on some, uh, you know, to make some moves. And they sit down with me. We meet once a week and they sit down with me and they're like, yeah, so this guy that I know that does this told me I should do this. And this other person told me this and my wife's friend, I should do this. And I'm like, those are all great perspectives and valuable to consider. But at the end of the day, what do they know about your business? Right. Right. And, 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 and that's the thing, you know, I think that a lot of people get caught up in is they get these ideas, suggestions, you know, and, and you referenced earlier about, you know, looking at social media, reading articles, whatever it might be, you get an idea and you're like, Oh, that's what I should do. Cause that's the situation I'm in. That may or may not be the case. And, and, and the only way you really on this is to be, completely clear with who you are, what you're good at. Like you said, getting to know yourself, your team, yep. your business, and really understand your business. Um, you know, ironically, I just came from a, a real estate conference, uh, as I mentioned, as we're getting on the call. And and um, you know, the guy was talking about you know, knowing your numbers. I'm like, that's the first thing I talk about with my business owners is, that, what are your numbers? If you know your numbers, you're going to see the writing on the wall when things start pivoting. And you're going to see it in days and weeks rather than months. And, and you won't find yourself running up against the wall where you're like, oh, my God, now I got to make this big knee jerk reaction. Uh, but oftentimes, if you had somebody who is uh, um, a more objective observer, because that's the problem you're mentioning, right? What you're mentioning, yeah. I look at the data and I'm like, OK, now I got to make a tough I got to make a tough decision. Do I let Susie go? Right. Right. And that's the problem is that now it's Susie. It's not the woman who works at the front desk. It's Susie who happens to be a single mom and, you know, she's, you know, making ends meet on $18 an hour or whatever it is, you know, that's that, 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 uh, and you, I'm not saying not be human, but you have to look at the business objectively. And then you determine, okay, based on what you've decided, how you want to run your organization, what's important to you. Uh, you know that you don't want to lose good people. Um, and Susie's a, a great employee and she works really hard. So you're going to figure out something to do. But that's probably the first person you're going to have to let go because that's the one that has the least amount of influence in the overall productivity of the business. Yeah. Right. And but that's where it, the tough part is. Is sometimes you have to hear that from somebody else who can be objective, because as a business owner, if you're running the day-to-day -day operations, which I try to encourage all my owners to put in leadership that is experienced leadership when they can. Obviously, that only makes sense when you get to a certain size and scale. But the point is, is that. Um, it, you, you've got to be able to make those tough decisions. And if you can't, then you need somebody to help balance those ideas off of. Yeah. 
And, and Eric, I'll ask you this. I, I think I know the answer, but just <laughs> to highlight what you're talking about here, how often uh, have you met with a client and made a recommendation and their response is, oh, we, well, we can't do that, to which you respond with something like, why not? Has that ever happened in your conversations? You, you know darn well. <laughs> uh, and I, I won't say it's a common occurrence, but particularly with newer clients, that is almost always a given. Yeah. It, it, and the reason I, I ask, and thanks for humoring me, yeah. is um, I, I think that it's important to note that, you know, we get just stuck in a, in a rut, right? Even if we're, our business is successful, it's growing all of that, but we can still be in a rut in our thinking. And I think that's really where bringing that coach in is to come in and offer a, a, that objective perspective and, you know, get the owner thinking about, well, shoot, yeah, maybe, maybe I can do that. Maybe I, you know, could let that person go, or maybe we could offer this other product, or maybe we could expand our marketing, right? Whatever that is, um, we put these, you know, limits on our business or our own thinking that an objective person can come and really help with. And, and sometimes I'll, I'll joke and say, hey, I've got an unfair advantage as a consultant because I come in with a totally fresh perspective and you're in it every single day. And so sometimes I come in and they're like, man, you're a genius. How'd you even think of that? And I'm just like, how did you not think of that? Because right. it, because they're because but it's because they're in it, right? When I come in and I come in with you know a different experience, different background, maybe even a little unfamiliar with their industry, I ask questions and I'm and I'm interested and I'm learning and uh, I maybe think about things differently than they might. And so that's where you know bringing in a coach, a consultant can really help. And and I do think it's probably the best way to detach and really get the perspective you need. Yeah, and I, I think, quite honestly, I mean, unless you're in a, uh, a situation, you know, depending on the size of your organization, if you've got a handful of employees that are your core leadership group, or maybe it's the, the group that you started the company with, and now you've grown in size, maybe you had two or three core people that started the business with you, and now you're 10 or 12 people, those two or three people that grew the business that started from day one with you, they know you, right? Yeah. They know your, they know your, um, your, your strengths and weaknesses. Um, they are familiar with where you're going to struggle, and quite honestly, they're gonna they're they're gonna be the ones that are gonna call BS on you when they hear it or see it. Yeah. And and um, that's not always ideal because that can be a problem too, as particularly if one of those individuals actually becomes a challenge. But generally speaking, the reality is when when um, when there's tough decisions to make, you need somebody who's familiar enough with the business. To, to give you insight on different people that you may not have seen, right? That's, a, that's another thing. I, I used to rely on you extensively in the training role um, in, in regards to what your take is on an employee that I might not be terribly excited about currently. <laughs> and, uh, and, I recall those conversations. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, and I, I, you know, I'd say, hey, I'm not getting the best results from this individual. And then you tell me how great they were in training or, you know, or maybe they weren't. They were disruptive and weren't really valuable and actually, you know. Um, but the point is I, I could rely on that because I knew that you knew me. And if you shared with me, well, you know what? You might not be seeing this from his perspective because this is how he is. I'm like, oh, okay, that's a fresh set of eyes, a fresh yeah. perspective. I can actually take that information, go back and reevaluate how I'm addressing that individual. You know, and, and many times that was what, what, what it took to kind of turn the corner with that individual. Yeah. No, absolutely. It's interesting. As you were talking, I had to quickly look up a book title because it, it reminded me of, uh, of something that, that you said. But when you were talking about the people that help you launch the business may not be the best people to carry that torch forward. Um, it reminded me of, I know we both love, love reading and it's a book called Who. It's all about hiring A players is kind of the, the, the terminology of it. Um, but a very similar concept of when you're bringing new people into the organization, and, and I'd say extended to evaluating existing people in the organization, is they might be the right people, but it may not be the right time in your business for that person. And so maybe if you're in a, in a rapid growth, um, you know, chapter of your business, you need somebody who's experienced in that versus somebody who is a really good tactical operator. They know how to get out there and meet with clients, but maybe not so great at the marketing side. And so I think that's a, that's a really interesting perspective. And I'm sure we could spend a whole show talking about that. But, uh, but I think it's, it's a great question is really taking a step back. And that's where bringing in somebody like Eric or myself to say, you know, hey, let me help evaluate the people on your team and determine if they have the skill set needed, not only for today, but for the next chapter of your business. 
uh, is super valuable because like you said, we see them as Susie or Bobby or Fred or Juan, right? But uh, at the end of the day, we, we can take a more objective perspective and say, hey, I, I know you love them. I know you care about them, but they're not the right skill set we need for, for what we need to do. So yeah, I just reiterate what you're saying and yeah. uh, give our listeners a book to check out. Um, yeah, as you, as you mentioned that, I'll give you a great example. I went into a uh, law firm out in LA uh, I was called in to ask, help them assess who was going to be the right person to take over as the opera, uh, as the office manager. And uh, at the same time, give them some perspective on, you know, some of the people they were a little frustrated with, uh, as well as help with some efficiencies and stuff like that. And, you know, generally, I'm more of the sales guy, the sales and marketing guy, uh, but I've got my fair share of efficiency, you know. And uh, we went in, uh, I, sat, I spent a week, interviewed a total of 19 employees uh, over the course of the week. And, um, you know, some of the takeaways that I had were, you know, I'm like, did you know that this individual not only has their MBA, but also has 10 years of experience in this category, and they could actually be probably one of your better candidates for moving into a leadership role. Uh, they're going to need some coaching and developing because they've never worked in a law firm, but they, they're, they're going to, uh, they want to go to school to get their law degree. So, you know, as they, they went and, 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 but they didn't even understand, they didn't even know that about that particular candidate. Right. Yeah. Right. And, and it's, you're not going to know, you got 20 employees, you're not going to know everything about every employee. Right. But, um, and that's part of that is, you know, how do you have a structured, and, and you, you know more about this than I do, but how do you have a structured follow-up program with your employees when you yeah. do your quarterly or annual reviews? What does that look like? What does that process look like? What kind of questions are you asking? What kind of conversations are you having? Are you talking about their goals? Right. And, uh, this particular individual was slow to put a, what I would have called like an operations manager or maybe a COO or something like that. Uh, they've got a big organization. They're doing $4 million a year. They can afford a good quality leader to manage the day-to-day -day operations uh, because they're super great at being a lawyer. Yeah. Not, not so good at running the day-to-day -day business. Right. And, yeah. and don't want to. Right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Want, right. So um, anyway, but, but they were they were blown away by within just a week, I could know everything, but they, not everything, but the vast majority of everything that made a, a, this, this office run and how it could help them recognize the key people within their organization that are really going to make a difference. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and a lot, that's just, you know, 10,000 interviews and how many thousands and thousands of employees they managed over the years. You just learn to pick up on those things. Yeah. Well, and, and to, to bring it full circle back to our conversation about the mass layoffs is you got to think somewhere along the way they had the wrong leader in the wrong role uh, to get in the position that we're in. And, you know, certainly the economy has a, a role to play and a number of other factors. But when you look at, you know, what was within their control and how we could have minimized what ended up being, you know, a really catastrophic thing for a lot of people, which then has ripple effects to the economy, right? Because now there's a lot of people with high paying salaries that are no longer employed and, and are looking for work, um, which for those people who might be listening, maybe a great time to start a business. We'll talk more about that in later episodes. Uh, but, uh, but I think, you know, a lot of that could have been avoided or minimized with the right leader in the right role. And so for an entrepreneur, um, those leadership, those people decisions are really important. And I'd, I'd say even you know, the smaller you are, the more important they are because they're the kind of people that are going to help you scale and, and move that business forward. So, yep, appreciate it, Eric. Yep, absolutely. So, well, any other final thoughts on uh, the layoffs or anything else you want to add today? Well, I, you know what? Uh, I'm glad you asked. There's, um, I literally, you know how my affliction with uh, Tony Robbins. And, yes. Uh, um, I actually uh, was, uh, I was TikToking, uh, of all things. And uh, he came up. And he, he was doing a little thing on, uh, 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 I, I couldn't tell you how dated it was, but he definitely looked younger than he is now. Yes. So I'm going to go, I'm going to go back to 2008. Okay. 2008, nine during that economic uh, bubble. Uh, he made a comment. It was recorded. You know, he was live doing a, a conversation with somebody, but he basically said, you know, it's like, Hey, the politicians are telling you they're going to bring all the jobs back. And, uh, you know, but these are not, uh, what do I call them, uh, not high tech jobs or not, um, they don't require strategic thinking, right? These are the more labor, labor jobs. And, and what he was saying was, is those jobs aren't coming back. Yeah. They're being automated. Right. They're, 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 you know, AI is going to replace those jobs, whether it's robotics or AI. Well, it was robotics back then, it's AI now. But, but that, that, that's going to continue to evolve. That's not going away. If anything, it's going to get more accelerated. Yeah. 
right? And, and each time, each time we go through economic downturns, to your point earlier, companies need to get leaner. Yeah. Right. And I don't care if you've got 10,000 employees or you've got 10 employees. Every time something goes bad in the economy and you have to adjust, it's going to require you to get leaner. It doesn't necessarily mean people lean. It just means you got to get leaner. Yeah. Right? Maybe, maybe you don't need as big an office space. Maybe you don't need uh, all the equipment that you're using. You know, I have clients that still use copiers. I'm like, uh, why do you have a copier when you have a scanner? You know, it's like, <laughs> that, that, and, yeah. and, you know, sometimes it takes a fresh perspective, like you said, yeah. but what he, when he, when he said that it really resonated with me because I've watched that happen uh, at least four times in, in my life span. And I go back to the early eighties. Which is considerable. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. Thank you, David. I appreciate that. <laughs> Uh, but if you go back to the early 80s, it was the car manufacturers, the auto yeah. manufacturers. And there were massive layoffs and shutdowns. And then in the 90s, it was steel mill factories. And I lived back east, so I was very familiar with the steel mill factories, shutdowns, and the layoffs. Um, and then and then you move into the 2000s, you got the technology enhancements, right? You get the, 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 the dot-com bubble and things like that, where there's a lot of pivot, you know pivots there. But um, And then and, and, and then we have the series of... Um, uh, well, you got 2001, we had the uh, um, uh, conflict in the Middle East, started with that, 9-11, right? We had a big yep. economic bubble from that. Uh, then we went, it was like 2007, there was another one. Then there was a, uh, no, sorry, 2006, I think it was. There was a little bit of a, and then and then it was 2008-9, and then it was a huge one. Right? Well, that carried what, for 8-9 was like a three, four-year span, right? Oh, yeah. Um, and, then, and then we got covid and then we got it again. So I think that's four or five major uh, things that happened in the last 35, 40 years, whatever it's been. And, and during that span, each time companies are forced to get leaner, they're forced to get more, uh, get better understanding of their business and what makes their business run and understand how to pivot, look at new technology and recognize how they can improve, how that can improve productivity in their business. And if you're not constantly doing that, um, and I say constantly, I go back to um, good to great. Yeah. Stay true to your core, but always look to innovate. Yeah. Right. Stay true to your core, but always look to innovate. And if you're not constantly looking to innovate, you're going to get hammered when these times happen. Yeah. Right. And I, and so I, my point being is that, you know, you're talking about people getting laid off. If you know how to manage people and you know how to strategically think, you're always going to be able to find a good job. Right. May take a little bit longer because the more money you make, you, you've heard all the studies, right? I'm sure you know them better than I do. But it takes a lot longer to find those good jobs. Oh yeah. But the um, when you when you think about all these people getting laid off, and and you think about how many of those jobs are replaceable with AI, you, you got to realize that none of those jobs are coming back. Yeah. I would go so far as to say I, I'm looking at those numbers again. It's 15 ish, maybe 20,000 uh, jobs, depending on what the Robinhood number is. So yeah. let's just say it's 20,000 jobs. There's 10,000 jobs that aren't ever coming back. Yeah. They're going to be replaced by AI, guaranteed. Yep. Right? So if 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 you're in that mix, right, and, and improve your skills. So I'm come full circle, what Anthony said was improve your skill set. Yeah. Right? And understand technology. Understand how to adapt and embrace technology. Because I can tell you growing up, I watched um, the the auto manufacturers, the people picketing out in yeah. front of the auto Right. I remember the people picketing out in front of the uh, the union workers picketing out in front of the steel mill factories. And then rather than going to school and getting educated and, and re re using the resources available, um, you know, people just, you know, they tried to fight it. And I, my thing is you, you got to adapt. Yeah. So that's what I would say to people. And then to your point, I, I when I say adapt, it's either improve your skill set and recognize where you can actually improve and, and be even more valuable to the company. Or go start your own company, which is right. what I did. Yeah, <laughs> which I would imagine a lot of people listening did as well, right? Or, or yep. some some form or fashion of it. But no, it's right. interesting you say that, Eric. In 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 the field that that I work in, around you know learning and, and talent performance. I mean, there's there's new technology. I, I literally try out, you know, I'd say four, maybe five new pieces of technology every month, whether it's a new coaching platform or, you know, a demo of a new learning management system or, you know, some augmented reality, you know, training tool. And, and it's important, right, for me, because everything is getting increasingly digital. But I think even if you go outside and, in, in, you know, even the furthest industry from what I do, 
technology is playing a role and it's going to play an increasing role. And if you're running a business today and you're not constantly trying or, you know, finding, you know, a new point of sale system or new marketing software or new automation software, um, you're missing out because your competitors are, and, and you have to take that stance of, you know, there is something better out there than what I have today. And, and I've even seen, you know, clients that went out and there wasn't a software on the market. So what they did is they hired a company to build a software that they turned around and sold to other people in their same industry and it became a whole new business model. And they saw, hey, this isn't working. Let's do something better. And now they shifted all of their time and effort to the software that they sell to everybody else. And so I think that, you know, considering the influence, the impact of technology, um, you know, where you can go with it and, and you know, always thinking, hey, it can be better. Um, it can be leaner is critical. So couldn't agree more. Yeah, I got, I got uh, two quick stories to share relating to what you just said. First one is I started the trucking business in 2018, right? Actually, it was the end of 2017, beginning of 2018. Uh, I go out there and I, I to, so that I don't fall on my face, I go out and I ask a lot of questions of other people who are already operating. Yep. So I go to this uh, this one gentleman. He was uh, he was running a company. Is uh, I want to say they were doing they got 120 trucks or so, and I ask him about the technology they use to track their trucks and their trailers. So and generally speaking, if you have a, a tractor trailer, you t typically have two or even three trailers for every tractor you have. So, you know, you get 100 trucks, you've got like probably 500 units you need to track because you got a tracker for a the lot. trailer and you yeah. got a tracker for the truck. Yeah. And then you're tracking your drivers. Right. And, and so they were paying when, so when, when I started talking to him, this is 2018, they had just two years earlier invested $7,500 per truck. Wow. To implement this software, this computer unit that was, you know, in, stuck in the truck and everything like that. And I looked at that and I'm like, well, how am I going to compete with that? I, I, the, buy the truck is going to cost me eighty dollars to $100,000. And then I'm going to spend another $7,500 in the equipment, uh, you know, this, this software yeah, is using. Yeah. The trailers weren't as expensive, but the trackers themselves, it was a $7,500 unit. And I started, of course, with our background in technology and wireless, I'm like, there's got to be a better way. Yeah. You know, it's like, and literally all we did was go out and buy $100 tablets from our, our, our telecom company, right? At that time, yeah. it was Verizon. We went out and bought $100 tablets that we got $100 rebates on, by the way. Nice. We we activated them with Bluetooth technology and had the drivers all have Bluetooth. And we bought Bluetooth for 30 bucks off of Amazon. Um, we had a stem or like a mount installed in the truck when I had my guy install it in the trucks. And so we were able to outfit 26 trucks with all this technology, with the tablet and everything that we needed, and then we had Bluetooth tracers for the real for the, the trailers. And I'm going to tell you, my entire equipment cost was less than eight thousand dollars. Wow, wow. So you know, it's like it's it, and I I did it two years after he did it. Yeah. So to your point, your competition is out there, and they're coming. Yeah. And and they're going to take advantage of if they're smart, they're going to take advantage of the technology that's available today not what you bought two years ago. Right. Yeah. And, and if, if Moore's law continues to stay at the rate that it's at, which is what uh, technology doubles every 18 months, um, you know, the, the, the reality is what they're coming out today, I mean, we, we saw this in the wireless industry. Well, a, a new phone would be launched and three months later, the phone was outdated. Yes. <laughs> yep. Pretty much. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, and, and so anything that's tech-based is going to have that, that exposure. And so if you don't continue to innovate, you're going to get left behind. You're yeah. going to get burned. Yeah. The other quick story I was going to say, you remember our friend Lloyd? I do. Yes. And he, he built, uh, he had that whole software program for that learning development. Yes. For, for, right. um, yep. for language learning. Yes. And he missed the boat. Yeah. You, you, you paid all the money to have the, the technology built. What they should have built, they should have built Zoom. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. That's basically what they had. They had Zoom. Yeah. And. And, uh, you know, fast forward, uh, what, 14 years later or something like that? Yeah. You know, that's that's basically what they built. They yeah. just built it, you know, and didn't realize the application. Yeah. No, and it's, yeah, in, in, in a challenging market, which we're, we're in, and, and, I, and I think uh, it's going to get worse before it gets better, is you have to think about problems differently. Look at your, your, your people in your business, look at the industry you're in and look at where are there other opportunities that I could use the resources, the personnel, the skills, the capital, where else could I use that, that 
I could be benefiting, that I could be planning for the future, that I could getting incremental opportunities that I can't get today. And that's really where, you know, a coach and a consultant can help help guide you because we see those other perspectives and those other opportunities. So, well, yeah. And I think the, the thing I'd add to that is like, for instance, I may not know exactly what's out there, but I know enough of what's out there to know that if we just ask the right questions of the right people, yeah. we're going to find the best solutions. Right. Yep. Right. And, and, and then so oftentimes, to your point, that small business owner that we talk about that's on the island, they don't know what's out there because they're not looking at it because yeah. they're so focused on their day to day. Yeah. We're just and trying to survive. Right. They, hey, I, I yeah. can't even think about something new because I'm just trying to survive and pay the bills. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And I'll, I actually add one more story. You know, my wife works for a very prominent uh, 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 title company, the uh, national title company. They're one of the major underwriters. And um, right now, with the real estate industry the way that it is, they're 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 feeling the pinch, and they they had some layoffs and they did some cutbacks. Um, but I will tell you that I'm gonna that I'm gonna make a prediction in the title industry. There's gonna be a huge shakeup in the next five years, and it's gonna play out in the real estate industry as a whole. Title is gonna be one of those ones that really feels the pinch because there's a lot of legacy, long term. Uh, long-standing com- companies that have been doing the same way for too long mm. and they have not adapted technology and they've, they've come kicking and screaming and they don't want the technology and they're not adapting and they're going to get beat by the younger, more aggressive, more, and I say younger, younger thinking, yeah. more aggressive, uh, more tech savvy, and they're going to beat them to the punch and they're going to, you're going to watch, you're going to, you're going to see another industry of all these massive, just like retail. Massive long-term companies, hundred years in business, they're going to fall by the wayside. Real estate's going to be the next one that feels a pinch. The yeah. title is going to be close. Is it going to be AI, Eric? AI come in and do all the the title searches and. I mean, what? We, why would I need to have somebody sit and do all that research when I can have a computer do it? Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. It's it's important to to always think different. How do we get lean? How do we think strategically? These are all things that we coach. And uh, on that note, Eric, I think we've had a good conversation today. I'd be curious, where can folks learn more about you and your coaching business? Yes. So please go to mybizcoaches.com. Look a little bit about what we do. Uh, Feel free to schedule a a consultation if you've got some questions. Be more than happy to uh, show you how we might be able to help improve your business. Awesome. Love it. And to learn more about TLG Group, uh, which is Train, Lead, Grow, uh, head over to trainleadgrow.com or at Train, Lead, Grow on your favorite social media site. And uh, make sure that you follow and subscribe to this show so you don't miss other important episodes. Uh, we'll be talking about uh, more topics like this and a whole lot more guests, interviews, and uh, we've got some exciting stuff planned for upcoming episodes. So you don't want to miss out. Be sure to follow and subscribe. Until then, have an awesome day, and thanks for listening to The Biz Coach Show. Great. Thanks, David.